Hello, everyone, and welcome to Headwise, the weekly video and audio podcast of the National Headache Foundation. I'm Dr. Lindsay Weitzel. I'm the founder of Migraine Nation, and I have a history of chronic and daily migraine that began at the age of four. We're talking today about some resources in the headache community for veterans and their loved ones. We are recording today from Washington, D.C., because there are two important events for the headache community occurring here. Uh, One is Headache on the Hill, and one is a listening tour for Operation Brainstorm, which is an event for veterans sponsored by the National Headache Foundation. I am lucky enough to be here today with someone who is new to our program. This is Dr. Jason Seco. Hello, Dr. Seco. How are you doing today? Great, great. I'm so excited to be here. I really appreciate the chance to chat with you and, and, and to educate the audience. Well, I'm so glad you're here. This is an important topic. Uh, we really wanted to get it on today. So you can tell, I'll make a joke out of it. If you're watching us on video, we have very similar backgrounds. We are both in the same hotel in our own rooms recording via Zoom. So, uh, so we're we're here today. We have Headache on the Hill this week. We have an awesome event uh, called Operation Brainstorm, which we are going to discuss. Uh, Dr. Seco is the National Director of the VA Centers of Excellence Program and a board member of the National Headache Foundation. He is the perfect person to talk to uh, about the resources in our country and in our community for veterans when it comes to headache. So, Dr. Seco, enough of me talking about what you do. Why don't you tell us about yourself? Why do you do what you do? And what is it that you do? Absolutely. Thank you. So, uh, my name is Jason Seco. I'm a neurologist with additional board certifications, both in headache medicine and brain injury medicine. And I am keenly interested in improving the care quality, the care delivery for veterans living with neurologic disease, especially headache. Mm-hmm. I, I myself come from a, a family veterans, grandparents, uncles. I have several cousins that are currently active duty. And even mm-hmm. reflecting on some of the experiences <clears throat> with my grandpas, taking them to their own VA hospitals for their medical appointments, you know, several things impressed upon me at a, at a relatively early age. One, this commitment to service. I love the fact that in my job day in and day out, wearing different hats, doing different tasks, I serve the men and women that have proudly served our country and served and preserved our way of life. And that I find such a deep level of appreciation in that where I wake up every morning and I'm excited to do what I do. I'm blessed. And so are a multitude of people that work in the VA delivering headache care. Mm -hmm. And they could be neurologists, they could be health psychologists, clinical pharmacists, nurses, physiatrists, physical therapists. And we'll, in a little bit, we'll get to a bit more about the headache symptoms of excellence and our approach to, to headache care in, in, a, in an interdisciplinary fashion. So I could tell you that the Veterans Health Administration had provided great care for a multitude of my own family members. And then having, having been a part of the Veterans Health Administration in some ways since 2004, just really getting to know veterans year in and year out and their love for the VA, their love for their fellow brother and sister, but also they're again recognizing that they that they served our country, and in many ways they still continue to serve our country. Right. Okay. That was. Thank you. I'm so glad that uh, 
you shared that with us. I think it's so important for us to know why you do what you do. Um, that was actually very heartwarming. Uh, we all probably enjoyed hearing that. I know I did. Uh, so I think it's important that we all know what the particular needs of veterans and their loved ones are regarding headache disorders, um, because I think that there are um, there is an increased need in certain areas for this community. So can you tell us about that? Yep, absolutely. And and I'd like to do so in the in the context of thinking about my my grandpa Seiko, so my my dad's mm -hmm. dad. Uh, he was a Korean War veteran and a wonderful man, uh, and you know, but in many ways sort of suffered after mm -hmm. he came back uh, came back from service. And some of the little that he spoke about his time during war was that uh, when asked about his hearing loss, he said, well, I got blown up on the side of a mountain and I was lucky to live. And since that time, he said that he had headaches. Yeah. And um, and as a as a uh, teenager, adolescent, sort of seeing him with headaches sort of on a daily, daily or near daily basis. And I could tell you they never really talked about it that much. And mm -hmm. in such a way, and when they did, he said, well, there's nothing that, it could, that they could do for me. Now, granted, this was back in the, the 80s and very early 90s. And headache medicine has come a tremendous way in terms of the therapeutic options that we have. Mm -hmm. But seeing how there were times that we have to cancel uh, picnics or even trips down grandpa's house and then seeing him become more and more secluded in his home uh, because he wasn't able to go outside or he didn't mm -hmm. want to. He wanted to stay in his cocoon pretty much all the time. And sometimes I reflect now if grandpa was still alive or if the types of therapeutic options that we have for people living with migraine and other headache disease, if they were available to my, my grandpa back in the 80s, I think he could have had a different life. And I think part of it too is, is that for, and it was a very personal decision for him, but I, I find that sometimes veterans will not <clears throat> readily share that they're suffering. They'll not mm -hmm. readily talk about their headache. Sometimes it's because they don't think that anything could be done for them. Right. Sometimes they think that, that they have to suffer in silence. Sometimes people have shared with me that they've talked about their headache and didn't really get anywhere. Right. And oftentimes, and I think that the, those listening is that when we talk about it, sometimes we don't get the right person right off the bat. Sometimes right. they don't really appreciate how headache and headache disease affects their life, affects family life, affects their ability to meaningfully engage with the world around them. One of the things that I, I, one of the messages I give is one of hope that in the VA, there are lots of providers that will listen. Mm -hmm. There are lots of people that will listen and listen to your story. Right. And that's really important. And sometimes opening up is, is difficult. I fully recognize that. One of the things that I also find that's helpful in the opening up is something that I think comes from a military culture in terms of the band of brothers and sisters helping one another out. And I, I found that, that veterans oftentimes will sort of open up more if they know that they're not alone. Mm -hmm. Or if they know that if they get help, they are improving their ability to be there for someone else, improving their ability to serve. So I mm -hmm. think in terms of <clears throat> things that I've seen, especially among veterans living with headache disease, is that you know, they shouldn't suffer in silence. 
They really right. should being able to just, yeah, share. And it's okay to share that you're in pain. It's okay to share that you're suffering. And I, I find that oftentimes it takes a little, little while for them to want to do that. Right. And then to find the right person to do that with. And to find the person to do that with that could say, okay, well, these are the types of things that we could do together. These are some of the, these are a multitude of treatment options that we have. And these are some of the, so let's figure out what resonates with you. What resonates okay. with your values? What resonates with your preferences? And then thinking about other things I think really important to be aware of among, uh, especially veterans living with headache disease, but also people, healthcare providers like myself that are caring for veterans living with headache disease is that you have to look at the whole person. Mm-hmm. So you can't look at headache as a symptom. You can't even just focus on headache. And what I mean by that is, that oftentimes veterans will have a lot of other mental or mental health comorbidities or problems that in order for us to give the best, highest quality care, we have to look at someone as a whole person. So if someone has insomnia and they're not getting great sleep, we know that that's going to affect their migraine and headache disease. Right. If I ignore the insomnia and sleep problems, I'm not doing them a service. I'm not doing the best that I can for them. We know that veterans have high rates of insomnia, high rates of traumatic brain injury, high rates of uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, high rates of military sexual trauma, and other things that we need to talk about and understand and treat. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was a great answer. That was um, that I, I, that was just very important for all of us to hear. I don't know that everyone truly understands um, that it is so difficult uh, for veterans to talk about, to get treatment. We discuss this as a migraine and headache population as a whole, but uh, we don't often hear the veteran side of the story. And is it not true that there is an increased uh, prevalence of headache disorders in the population of veterans? There absolutely, absolutely is, both in, in men veterans and women veterans. And sometimes I feel that women veterans are sort of more in tune or understand about headache and migraine than men do, mm-hmm. uh, than, than men veterans. And one of the things that we will know is that, uh, a couple of things. First, that over the last decade or so, the, the, we've seen an increased number of, of women veterans. Mm-hmm. And that reflects how more, more, more and more women are serving in our armed forces. Right. But then, so, but then, so one of the other things that we understand is that that there's a lot of men veterans with migraine. Mm-hmm. In fact, in the VA, among veteran, among men veterans that get care in the VA, there's more than a million. Wow. Okay. And and those are potentially a million people that you know can get better care. Right. And I think that's important to bring up because uh, men experience a lot of stigma sometimes uh, when they have migraine because it's often considered a a women's disease. So so that's an important thing to bring up. Is there we have a lot of listeners that may not be veterans. Is there a role that people that are not in the veteran community can play to to help? What 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 can people that aren't veterans or whose family members are veterans? What can they do? Yeah, absolutely. So some of the things that we know across the board is that at least 15% of veterans that get care in the VA have some type of headache. Mm -hmm. And I I think that number is an underestimate. And quite frankly, I think it's uh, closer to a third of veterans that have served our country have some type of headache. And that's a large percentage of people. Mm -hmm. And 
some of the things that I think are important for broadly for for our listeners to know is that headache can be more common among veterans, mm-hmm. and that there are, are that through the VA and elsewhere that there's ways by which they could get their headache treated. I think one of the many wonderful things about the VA is our approach to headache care. So, uh, so recognizing that we have things like the Headache Center of Excellence Program, we could offer interdisciplinary care. We could also offer telehealth across state lines. So I mm-hmm. see, I physically live in Connecticut. Uh, at the moment, I'm in DC. Uh, and just this past Friday, I was seeing patients while physically in Baltimore, I was seeing patients in Connecticut, Colorado, and Florida. Mm-hmm. And so veterans could access high quality headache care via telehealth, okay. which I think is in there's not uh, some of the stipulation that we see out in the in the community. Okay. All right. Um, so what are the headache centers of excellence? Uh, and why are they so important to veterans? What what are what is being done for veterans through these these centers of excellence? Excellent. So uh, as you mentioned at the beginning, one of the wonderful events uh, occurring here is Headache on the Hill. Mm-hmm. And the establishment of the Headache Center of Excellence was a really big win f- uh, for veterans, uh, as well as uh, correspondingly a very big win for uh, for the Headache Advocacy community mm-hmm. and Headache on the Hill. And something that I know that hundreds of thousands of veterans are grateful for. Mm-hmm. And so in 2018, Congress recognized, again, in, in part, uh, in large part through the Headache Advocacy Group and Headache on the Hill, that headache among veterans is important. And mm-hmm. that it's, it's uh, that veterans often have to underserved when it comes to their headache need. Mm-hmm. And then also, and I think going back to, to the other point before in terms of what are the specific things to think about among veterans, we know that traumatic brain injury, that there's high rates of traumatic brain injury or TBI among, mm-hmm. among veterans. And depending on what you read, 90% of, of veterans that have a mild traumatic brain injury would develop headache. And then a year later, anywhere from 30 to 50% will continue to have headache. And typically they will have headache most days of the week, meaning they have most, that they live with headache most of the time. Mm-hmm. And so Congress recognized that that TBI is the signature injury of OEF, OIF, OND, or the post-9-11 wars, and also recognized that headache is common, but also that migraine is common among veterans as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Furthermore, they, they recognized that at the time, there were only three uh, healthcare providers that had additional headache medicine certification. Uh, was one of those three. And I could say that because of the headache centers, uh, we now have 25 and that number continues to grow. Uh, so, but also, again, kind of reflecting on some of what we talked about, where oftentimes veterans will have post-traumatic stress disorder. They will have cognitive concern because of their migraine or because of the traumatic brain injury. And really being able to, to oftentimes take a team-based approach to being able to provide the best, highest quality care for veterans living with headache disease. I, so I'm a, again, I'm a neurologist and I don't know it all. No mm-hmm. neurologist does. Right. And I think that's important to recognize that you know, for me to do the best that I can, to, to provide the best service to that veteran sitting in front of me, either in person or over on, on the screen, that oftentimes it takes a team-based approach. Mm-hmm. So the headache centers embrace that interdisciplinary team-based approach to have health psychologists, 
to offer non-pharmacologic treatments and behavioral interventions, including things like biofeedback and cognitive behavioral therapy. Uh, We also work closely with clinical pharmacy specialists and in such a way to help help make sure that people understand the medications that they're taking. Because oftentimes people are on a lot of medicines and how are they taking them? Are they taking the right way? Are they working well? But also being able to to help, help people come up with uh, tips and tricks to be able to take their medications in a way that fits most into their lifestyle. Right. Uh, physical therapists and, and recreation, uh, rec- physical therapists, recreational therapists, occupational therapists. Uh, one of the things that I've learned a lot over the last couple of years is sort of one of the mantras that we see in rehabilitation medicine is restoring function. And okay. uh, I think that's an, that, that's an important concept. So how could we treat somatitic disease so that they could do what they want to do? How could okay. they treat their headache disease so that they can meaningfully interact with their friends, their family, their loved ones? If they want to go fishing, how could they go? Fi- how can we make sure that we restore their function so they do the things that they love? Right, and, which is the whole point of getting better so that we can live our lives, right? Yep. Uh, <laughs> amen. Amen. Right. And, and and those are some of the things that we do in the headache centers. We offer. Uh, really high quality clinical care from headache medicine experts. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we make available a team-based approach for people with some of the most refractory types of headaches. Mm-hmm. But also, we so uh, between 2008 and 2022, almost 2 million veterans received care in the VA for different types of headache disease. Okay. We currently have 19 headache centers across the country, and we're growing that number. Mm-hmm. But the idea that a center could see all 2 million people won't happen. Right. So we well recognize that education is hugely important for primary care providers, other neurologists, other health care uh, uh, funds. Mm-hmm. You know, how could someone, and one of the things that we do in the headache centers in conjunction with the VA's whole health initiative is to be able to foster self-management skills as well as make widely available complementary integrative health modalities. So okay. oftentimes with the patients that I'm seeing, you know, we may start them on a CGRP inhibitor and they're doing cognitive behavioral therapy. And we, and we get to the point where they're also doing a graded exercise program whether that may include one of the complementary integrated complementary and integrative health modalities like yoga and tai chi. Right. So, but again, through being able to say these are all the options, you know, these are the things that we think could work well. Mm-hmm. But what are you ready for? What resonates with you? What resonates with your values? What resonates with your preferences? And be able to come up with a treatment plan that is uniquely theirs. That I love that. Um, my which. Our viewers have often heard me say that my theory is you have to build a rock wall against migraine, chronic pain, headache, disease, and then half the rocks are medicines, half of them are lifestyle factors, and that the mortar that holds it all together is your mentality, and you can't just do one of those things or your rock wall falls apart. And so to me, what you're saying is that these headache centers of excellence really help veterans build that rock wall. Like they have everything they need in this one place. And I love that idea. Um, it's pulling everything together that they could need for uh, to help them live their lives normally and help them get their pain levels down and help them get better. 
Um, yeah, absolutely. And along those lines, we, we well recognize that that migraine and headaches, these, they're complex chronic diseases. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of things that could cause them. There's lots of things that could trigger them. There's lots of reasons as to why people may have them. And you know, sometimes it's wonderful if we find one therapy and that that does the trick, but oftentimes we have to have different approaches. And right. you know, the added bonus is that by having that multimodal approach, we're also helping them become healthier people. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is Operation Brainstorm, which is um, the other uh, events, the other uh, resource for veterans that we were going to speak about today? It is a National Headache Foundation initiative. What is it and what does it have to offer veterans? Yeah, and I, I think in, the, in many ways, the, the, the name itself shares a lot of what we do. So mm-hmm. we are we are on a mission, we're on an operation to brainstorm with veterans and active military personnel to understand how what's it like for them to live with headache and migraine disease. Mm-hmm. But even beyond that, you know, what things have worked really well that you think could be replicated that we could share as best practice and lessons learned? Mm-hmm. What are things that haven't worked well? Why didn't they work well? Mm-hmm. And how can we improve on it? Mm-hmm. And to be so, one of the ways they think about this is that it's a listening and a learning tour. We want to make sure that we're really, and even going through some of the messages that we talked about before, where they're not alone. Right. There's help. We live in a time where there's been an explosion of therapies for people living with migraine and headache disease. But also, we're living at a time that, that, you know, I, I do believe that stars align. And mm-hmm. I think that it's really wonderful and serendipitous that, um, and faded maybe, that the headache centers came out at a time when there's been an explosion of therapies. Because right. we have more and more things to offer veterans living with headache disease. But right. how, do we do, how do we do that in such a way that we're learning from people, you know, metaphorically and, and at one point in time physically in the trenches? How do mm-hmm. we learn from people that, have, that live their lives day in and day out? And with the goal of how can we do things better and right. how can we learn from you so that the thing that worked well for you, we could share. And the thing that didn't work well, we could brainstorm together to understand how we can make it better. So are these events open to all veterans? Correct. These yep. listening tours. And how many are there going to be? Uh, there is one in, in DC this week. We are recording right now uh, on in February. Uh, the event, I think, is on February 13th. Um, uh, are there more in the future? Correct. So uh, one slated for Nashville. One, uh, so, so ones that are upcoming include those in uh, Chicago, Houston and a few others. And then uh, we keep updated the National Headache Foundation webpage in terms of the uh, locations. And some of the nice things about the about these are the one, they're open uh, for mm-hmm. veterans, their friends, their families, their caregivers, active military personnel. Uh, it's mm-hmm. free. People just have to register ahead of time. Uh, okay. They could submit questions beforehand or have questions answered there uh, okay. from, from headache specialists like myself. Oh, that's wonderful. So uh, it is difficult to get into and talk to a headache specialist in this country. So this is an amazing idea, an amazing event where uh, you, can get, you can get your questions answered and have access to a headache specialist. And so uh, go to headaches.org to learn about it. That's the National Headache Foundation website. And to learn where these events are going to be at and how you can register and, and get in. Um 
what else do you think veterans and their loved ones need to know, or even people who may not be veterans but want to help? Yeah, absolutely. So there's so much that we could learn from you. We meaning one another, healthcare systems providers. And uh, so I'm a big comic book fan. I've, I've been reading <laughs> comics since I was I was five. And every year I showed off Santa for some superpowers. Um, <laughs> you know, I think he he uh, he brought me one where I get to I get to serve people that have served their way of life. Um, sometimes I wish I had telepathy, so I could mm-hmm. read someone's mind to understand the types of things that they may not may not want to share, may not feel comfortable mm-hmm. sharing, or may not even think to share. And when it comes to understanding migraine and headache disease, you know, sharing your experience, sharing the types of things that you feel. I, I have to tell you that oftentimes when I'm seeing uh, veterans in clinic, I'll start off by asking, how does migraine affect you? Mm-hmm. And then keeping it open-ended and letting them to set the stage. <clears throat> and uh, and share things that you think that in your mind you may not think make sense. So uh, I'll give some kind of uh, an example. So just a couple of weeks ago, I saw a veteran and, and you know, had asked, and had been refractory to several therapies. And then asked, well, are there things about your headache that you haven't told anyone that you've thought about sharing? And they're like, yes. You know, after like a little bit of pause and, you know, whenever I get them, like my eyelid closes shut and I get a really runny nose. And mm-hmm. we explored that a little bit. And, you know, they have cluster headache. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And, uh, and in fact, a week later, and like and had shared that hey around this around such this time every year I start getting headaches, and uh, we started him on therapy and he's doing great. Wow, he's doing great. And so he, uh, so another veteran that I saw a couple months ago shared that the headaches always started this time and always ended this time every single time, and they're always on one side. But he never shared that they start and end at the same exact time. So in discussing things a little bit, he had hemicrania continua. And mm. he had tried many, many treatments, him on indomethacin. And within two weeks, he went from having headaches every single day to not having a headache at all. Wow. So, you know, they, they, so it's really fantastic to be able to, to help veterans to make those right diagnoses. And so, but that wouldn't have happened if people didn't share share some of the things that they thought they shouldn't share, or that just seemed odd or unusual. Sometimes right. those types of details could be really important when we're trying to make the right diagnosis for someone. I think that's an important advice. Um, share things that might not even make sense, and and I think an important component of that is you have to find a healthcare provider where you feel comfortable sharing things that won't make sense, especially if you've experienced, you know, people not believing you, et cetera, in the past. So that's great advice. So thank you for that. Um, Thank you so much for being here. This was a very important episode and a heartwarming episode. And thank you everyone for joining us today. And please join us again next week on the weekly video cast and podcast of the National Headache Foundation. Thank you so much.